Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. For today, we have Lauren Culbertson from an organization called Loop BOC, based here right out of Charleston, South Carolina. We had the opportunity to announce a, a partnership with uh, Loop VOC here recently and got to sit down with Lauren to really dive into how they think about voice of customer programs within B2B software companies. Their product really centers around trying to loop voice of customer data back into decisions that the organization are making and really driving action upon what they're hearing. So we enjoyed the conversation with Lauren, got to dive into a, a couple of areas that she's really passionate about and just really enjoyed the time that we got to spend with her. So we're looking forward to, to doing more with Loop VOC here in 2020 and uh, excited to hopefully bring that product into a, a number of our relationships with our clients. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Uh, today with us, we've got Lauren Culbertson, founder of Loop VOC with us. So we're going to dive into a number of topics that surround voice of the customer programs within B2B SaaS companies. So first and foremost, Lauren, uh, welcome to the podcast and appreciate you uh, taking some time out to uh, be with us today. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here with you guys. So I think the natural area to start is really maybe around uh, Loop VOC and how you kind of decided to start the company, because I think that's naturally going to uh, progress us into, you know, where is the gap in, in voice of the customer programs today? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent my career in product marketing, and I was working at a company that was going through a major transformation uh, from a legacy software company moving to the cloud. And as a product marketing leader, one of my primary responsibilities was staying on top of customer needs and making sure that they were responding well to that change. At the time, we were really used to using these big, heavy market research studies to listen to our customers. And in the world of SaaS, that just was too slow and expensive to make sure that we were responding to customer needs as they were changing. So we knew then that something had to change. So we started to listen in on the places where customers were already giving us feedback, places like CRM notes, sales calls, support tickets, online reviews, and while this provided a more comprehensive view of the feedback, it still was so overwhelming because the volume made it impossible to understand the full picture in real time. And that's really the problem that most SaaS companies are facing today. Traditional market research is dying. Customer feedback is growing at an overwhelming pace. And we are more than ever competing on our ability to respond. And so Loop was really created to solve that problem and provide SaaS companies with a way to listen, understand, and act on feedback from their customers by tapping into natural language processing to pull out the gaps that customers are telling you that you have without having to manually read through every piece of feedback. Um, and the result really is to help companies use real feedback from customers to drive revenue growth and empower their employees to actually solve problems that are coming up. So that's a little bit about Loop and why we're here. Yeah, no, it sounds uh, obviously like you, uh, in your position, just found found the hole that was there and tried to go uh, fill it with a, a product of your own. So when you, you mentioned a couple of areas, right? And I, you know, maybe um, we can start with the listening part of, of voice of the customer. And 
you know, now I think when you look at what some organizations are doing or talking about or saying, you know, they might be saying things like, oh, it's, you know, listening might be too hard or there's too many areas where I need to be listening. Like, how do I do those well? So like, how do you start thinking about just almost like gathering all of this information um, to start with? Like, you know, I guess how, how should a sales call or somebody from sales make sure and capture some of those, the feedback notes from there? How does, you know, how do all of these pieces of feedback really turn into kind of digestible data? Yeah, it's a great question. And I know um, you guys probably have experienced this too, working with SaaS companies, but I've had a lot of interactions with companies big and small over the past year. And one of the hardest parts about that listening phase and getting together all the feedback is the cross-functional collaboration. And that, that problem kind of stems through all parts of, of VOC. And without that, it's really challenging to have a, a successful listening program, but the listening phase of Voice of the Customer specifically relies on your, your functional areas coming together to provide those sources of data. Um, a lot of times, you know, when I'm starting out talking to a company, Loop uh, uses online reviews, and we'll often be talking to the customer success function and leaders of that department, and there's an immediate, uh, there's immediate uh, bad thought about online reviews, that they don't own that, it's marketing, and that's not good feedback. Well, if you look at the online reviews, it's actually extremely insightful because it's customers that are also filling out NPS surveys that might be going deeper into an issue that they put on a survey, and it's not just marketing fluff like they could have thought, but it's really valuable feedback. And that's an example, you know, it goes on both sides of are you, do you trust your salespeople that they're having good calls? Do you trust your marketing colleagues that they're getting good online reviews? Um, and really coming together to co-own and bring that feedback into one place, you have to have that cross-functional collaboration to make that work. Um, and I think the biggest uh, onus of that is really on leadership. I've seen the most successful companies that I've worked with have a top-down initiative that makes with the customer a priority. I'm curious, um, Jeff or Jay, if that's something that you guys have seen too. 100%. I was actually going to ask you that, like it, it, the same, the same kind of question, right? But yes, like I, I was, uh, I just responded to a LinkedIn con comment sometime this week. And, and one of the, one of the points in there was if you don't have ex like a C level executive that's championing it, you might as well not really do much with it because you're not going to so get true. a whole lot of traction around it. We've, um, we've worked with some customers specifically who have great people with great experience in CX on the ground, actually doing surveying, collecting data, but they, when they haven't found a way to get the executive team energized around what it can mean for the business, we find it not adopted or halfway adopted and sort of therefore almost like a waste of energy. So I'm curious, as you guys go into your clients or your customers, um, you're entering through the marketing department first it sounds like but then you're quickly expanding so are they bringing the customer success team or the product team or other teams to the table are you finding that you have that sponsorship as you're working with your clients so it's you know it's a lot harder for me to bring that together if there's not a initiative from the top that's for sure and i think um 
the, that for some reason, marketing and product tend to naturally have worked close together in the past. And I think you'll find the same for product and customer success, but it's like get marketing, getting customer success or customer success, getting marketing. There's still, I think those two functions are still kind of figuring out how to work together in a really effective way. And so when I go in and talk to a company where they are all already bought in on the need for voice of the customer, it's, it's not treated like an ad hoc initiative that's market, that marketing is running or that success is running. It's treated as a priority that everyone's accountable for. Um, when I go in and it's not treated as a, as a top initiative, it usually is a less impactful um, you know, use case because it's all the issues that are being identified are, are focused around things like go-to-market, pricing, product, and the service and delivery model is almost ignored. And I think there's a huge opportunity for bringing everyone together to make sure that the whole business is being looked at and improved on on a weekly, daily basis. Well, it, so, it sounds like a good way for you to segment your customers, right? And their intent. Because yeah. it was a different engagement model if everybody's bought in and you're doing something big versus, hey, we're just, we're trying to hone in on whether our pricing is right right now. You know, that's a that's totally Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, and I mean, so here's the thing. So I feel like, I don't know if you guys have seen this too. I'm sure you have, but I feel like I've seen a lot after October is like event season and everyone's coming out of these customer experience conferences and they're really jazzed up about voice of the customer. And it's, it dies quickly because it's not a priority that's set by leadership. It's a, it's like an idea in their head and then it, it runs through. And I feel like where that excitement dies out is people think that in order to make voice of the customer a priority, you have to have a signed headcount to it. And where I've seen most success, I'm curious what you guys have seen, is actually having more of a tiger team where there's fractional people from each function participating and even like assigning a role from a, a one of the functions to be the quarterback of the initiative and then setting up representation from each team. That's actually been more successful, but I found that a lot of companies at first are immediately thinking, I need a full-time person and I can't get that. And that's where it kind of dies on the vine. I'm curious, have you seen that when you've been talking to your uh, clients? Yeah, actually. And I think the, the thing that keeps coming back to, in my mind too, when I start thinking about um, SaaS, I mean, Jay always likes to say this, and I think, you know, we've adopted this as well as um, SaaS is the ultimate team sport, right? There has to be, yes. everybody plays their role across the organization. And um, I think what's something that keeps happening in SaaS and that we see particularly is, is the fact that um, there is no more such thing as just like something happening in one department, like everything affects everything else. So it's not like, uh, back to your point, right? Like marketing can't just have a way that they respond to feedback um, in, in their own little silo and product can't just have product go learn everything in their, their own little silo, right? There has to be this, this layer of like, we're bringing together all these cross-functional leaders or people to have kind of the larger initiative at stake and I think that comes back to um, kind of customer-centric and customer-driven outcomes as being kind of the forefront of some of these businesses. I think oftentimes we see that um, as being part of that championing, championing, championing process is are they really thinking about the customer outcome as being kind of first and foremost in the back of their mind? And, you know, part of that means laddering up like a voice of the customer program that pulls in all of these different groups to have uh, a feedback loop and a process that really goes across everything, right? It's no longer just marketing responding to online reviews. It's marketing responding to an online review, trying to tie that to an actual customer where the customer success manager can respond 
and uh, then we can go back into email campaigns and, and you know, try and close back all of these loops so that um, there is kind of multidisciplinary or multi-departments that are um, getting involved. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Be, I, I will add that where we see companies doing this really well is that they've got a program management function that's helping drive it on a consistent basis. It doesn't have to be full-time headcount to your point, Lauren, but there's something that, that we often work to set up with our, with our clients called a customer strategy team. And that's where you have a, a certain subset or the entire executive team come together on a regular basis, review metrics that are current about the customer experience, whether it's NPS, CSAT, internal metrics that tell you how we're performing on just standard quality metrics of delivery. And then they set priorities for CX across all the departments, right? But the thing that's helpful there is to have somebody that schedules that meeting, who makes sure all the data is pulled together. Like, who's going to do that work? It's either going to be the CX people or the voice of customer owner in marketing, or you could have a customer success operations or some other kind of role that's just pure program management behind it. So we've seen that work really well to augment, like, that every department has a, has a role, but somebody's got to be the quarterback. I don't know if you've seen that. Absolutely. But. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I totally agree. I think that is the key is, I like how you put it, the programmatic uh, approach to making sure everyone's coming together on a regular basis, holding stakeholders accountable. And I, I mean, my thought is, because I actually, I was that quarterback at my previous company for doing the Voice of the Customer program. And I will tell you, the meetings were 101% more effective when there was leadership presence. Even if they were just sitting in the room, Every function showed up, they exposed the issues, we got things done, and having just leadership presence and buy-in, it's automatically gonna motivate people to show up and bring their best selves and be bought in. And you know, after a while, leaders don't have to attend every meeting, but especially when you're kicking it off, uh, there's no better way that I've seen to get people to really buy into something than if their boss's boss's boss is gonna be there and expecting them to, to do it, so. Absolutely, like they gotta know that executives care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your priority. And even better, yeah. the company scorecard and the, you know, the company all hands meetings, we talk about it. And I mean, you just, it's just like any other initiative. If it's important and if you talk about it, you repeat the message and, and, you know, have executive level sponsorship, which is active and not just lip service, then it will be an important initiative. Right. And it will probably yep. you know that. Yeah, one thing I'm curious your thoughts on is I was thinking about this recently just because, I mean, when you talk about the big, biggest gap in voice of the customer, I believe that it is in the action of data. I think companies are getting better at listening. They're getting better at pulling out problems, but the action is where it starts to fall apart. And I was thinking about why that is, and I think it's this issue we're talking about with just holding people from all these different functions accountable. And I was starting to think about incentives and how like directly you tie incentives to employees that are related to these customer experience metrics. Jay, I know that you talked a lot about these types of metrics that we should be measuring ourselves on. How do you feel about holding people's bonuses to those things? Is that too far? Is that helpful? What are your thoughts? It's, um, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, you know, we tend to think in terms of what, what people get measured on and comped on, they will tend to do. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of data that suggests that people pretty quickly learn how to game those, those players, yeah. right? We know our sales teams figure that out pretty easily. And, you know, marketing yep. 
you know, some of the more traditional kind of marketing metrics will figure out how to gain that. That's why yep. <laughs> I, th- I think, so yes, as long as it's company wide, I, I think it's actually, you know, the way to actually connect the dots is sort of back to this idea of program management. Not only do we program manage the listening and the deciding what needs to happen, but also providing support for teams to change process because that's hard to do, right? Hey, if our yes. onboarding process is busted, right? And, and we've got to make some changes there. How do we go systematically do that? If we have an implementation team who's doing the client onboarding that's got 40 or 50 people on it, which some of our clients do, like how do we, like, it's a big change, right? If I need to go change the order in which things happen and train a team. So I think, you know, yes, metrics are important. And I think you can probably comp on some of these things, but I think it's probably just as important to have the right organizational structure there to help drive change across the various departments in process and make, make sure that gets codified into the organization. And then, you know, bonus people on it because otherwise they're going to game it. If they don't really have the capability to get it done within their department or certainly across departments, right, where it gets really, really fuzzy is when you have, you know, say you're trying to make the sales to service transition better. Well, now you've got sales and services that you've got to force to work together. How do you make that happen if you're in services or if the, you know, if the, the yes. board is in sales? So it's a long answer to your question, but I, I think comp can work. But more often, I think the problem is not compensation. It's, it's providing the supports to get these change management initiatives done. Yeah, you're totally right. And that's, I've, I've been talking to a lot of companies about the difference between closing the little loop with customers, like responding directly back to a customer who had a problem and closing the big loop, which is aggregating all of these problems and shifting strategy, like onboarding strategy. And I think you're spot on. It's, it's so much about the programmatic approach to getting people across functions to trust each other, expose problems that are in not just their function, but others, and then solve them together. And it's hard because I think SaaS companies are used to a very functional siloed approach where, I mean, going back to what Jeff said in the beginning, it's like, it has to be a team sport in the world of SaaS. Like you can't get upset if your renewals manager is identifying an issue in how you're positioning the product and marketing, like if that is shown to be a problem and customers are responding to it, like you have to take that feedback and you have to fix it. Um, so I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I love it. Your, your executive sponsors then have to create the safe space for that to happen. Totally. You can't have totally. People, you can't have people getting in trouble if they're not hitting a metric. It's like, Hey, how do we jump in and help each other? There's a lot of that, right? Especially between product, customer set, success, sales, marketing, everybody. Product, yeah, yeah. How- yeah, there's, it's like you have to put the politics aside. It's, it's really like politics aside, you are democratizing the way that you're collecting feedback and it's no longer the loudest voice in the room gets to dictate the strategy. It's like we have to trust each other, listen to each other, and we expect you to expose issues to each other, which is hard for a lot of companies to move to that. Yeah, one of the things I'm interested um, to dive into for a minute too is how do you decide what's, when you're listening, how do you decide what's trustworthy or not? You know, I think we often get asked, and this goes back to one of the earlier points you made, right? You kind of have to have trust in the organization that your sales team is having the right conversations or, but um, how do you think about that, right? Like is every, in your mind, is every piece of feedback kind of on an equal playing field or do you have to find a way to kind of read into, you know, what can I give kind of credence to and what can I not? And 
you know, I know that it probably becomes a slippery slope, but I'm just curious in your experience if there's a way to um, kind of help bring that to the surface. Because I think that's a question that we get asked often from our customer success teams is like, oh, can I really, can I really trust what the, you know, that, that salesperson is really telling me the right feedback or can I really trust this review that they just left? Um, so how do you think about maybe like the reliability of, of what we're getting when we're listening to customers? Yeah, this is a great question. And I'll say the answer, I'll first say the answer really depends on the type of business that your company is doing. So if you are a SaaS company and the majority of your customers are large enterprise customers, then yes, understanding exactly who is giving the feedback is important because you're high touch and every piece of feedback has context that you might react differently um, if a larger, more, uh, more loud customer says something than a smaller customer that you might not have as big as a revenue impact. More often, I think companies are, have a transactional side of their business. It might not be all of their business, but companies that have a lot of customers, it's important to, A, to your point, trust the feedback sources that you're getting. But I think what can really help make sure that you're you're getting the right insights out of the feedback because you don't want to look at uh, the results of all of your feedback and think, well, it's probably just this one customer that always has these issues because that tends to rabbit hole people into not trusting the feedback data and then not doing anything about it. I think you have to have a bias toward action and trust like it's good enough data, but what can help with that is segmentation. So if you can look at here are the issues that my sales team is telling me and here are the issues that my customers from MPS are telling me, here's what they're saying on online interviews. If they all say that your analytics feature or your platform stability is a problem, then yeah, it's probably an issue. Now, if your salespeople keep telling you you're losing due to pricing, but you're not seeing that in any other channel, then you might question it and say, okay, that seems like it could be a few noisy salespeople and drill in to see if it's, if it's really a problem. Um, so I think segmentation is really a, a good way around that if it's an important part of your strategy to, to have a more transactional approach to customer listening. I, I also think to add to that, you can do quality. Yeah. On anything that you hear, right? That's what a lot of people. I, I feel like so true. This part, it's like, yeah, we might have gotten a thousand responses from customers telling us something. Maybe it's an NPS survey, right? But like, call fifteen of them. Just call fifteen yep. of them. Validate what you think you heard in the data. And by the way, you're probably going to learn five other things that you need to pay attention to when you do that, and it's representative of the other thousand. So that's so it's that I love that because it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, you have all this feedback and it's giving you a compass of where you should be focusing your attention on, but that's not the end of it. It's like you need to get to the root cause. And the best way to do that is by connecting with your customers. Couldn't agree more. We mentioned a little bit about listening. We talked a little bit about acting um, and we kind of jumped over analyzing just a little bit. So I know we've got maybe a few minutes more of your time, but, um, how do you think about kind of analyzing the data, you know, kind of in between the listening and acting and, you know, what's the, what have been some of the good processes or ways that you think that companies have syn synthesized that data together and really come out with kind of actionable items? So how do you kind of think about the intermediary there and what's the, is there a particular meeting that's happening? Is there um, somebody who's coming through the comments? Like what's the ideal state when you think about that process? Yeah, so when it comes to understanding what your customers are saying and really identifying the issues, this is where I am a biased advocate that technology has to support that. 
you, I still talk to so many companies that are combing through verbatim text responses from MPS surveys, from CRM notes, win-loss notes, and it is not only time-consuming, but it becomes inaccurate because you ask anyone who has gone through hundreds of pieces of feedback how much their brain is working when they get to feedback number 400 in a row, and they are missing some things um, of, what, of what's being talked about. And so there's, uh, we live in a time where people are talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning, and that sounds cool or scary, but what's really cool about it for customer experience professionals is that natural language processing, which is a form of machine learning, can make voice of the customer so much easier. And there's more and more solutions that are helping in various ways on this, but just being able to use technology to pull out the common themes from your text is really the way that voice of the customer is going. Before you can, if, if you want to take baby steps, I would say um, use at least use tools that can help you tag feedback more efficiently. So, um, you know, using a, a spreadsheet is probably the uh, slowest way that you can identify common issues just because it's brain frying, but there's tools where you can input your data and tag it where it's more effective than just using a spreadsheet. Um, but I think really there's no reason that companies shouldn't invest in tools that will help save them tons of hours combing through feedback and do it more accurately um, than technology, especially just the time that we're in with machine learning and uh, natural language processing. I would say it probably adds consistency too, right? Because yep. We have a lot of turnover in marketing and in every, every role. I mean, people don't stay in jobs as long as they used to, but if I analyze the data, I might see something different than you. And so yep. for a period of time, we're going to get inconsistent results that way. Exactly. And it makes it so like that should be, that's not the value add part of the process, right? The listening and the, and the analyzing isn't the value add. The value add is how you act on the, the data. And if you can put all of your brain and all of your best people's brains towards figuring out how you're gonna solve these problems that are coming up, like that's what you want, right? You don't want to spend all of your time manually reviewing the feedback. You wanna be strategizing on the best way to respond. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. So we always like to ask one, one final question um, in, what, if you looked at your whiteboard, if you looked at your calendar, if you looked at your to-do list, like what is one thing that you know you have to get done before the end of next week? Oh man, I know that I have to build out the product requirements for a major feature that we are building to uh, help customize some of the work we're doing. So it's, it's, I've been putting it off because it's pretty technical, but that's one thing I've been I have to do next week. <laughs> now for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we'll have to find another time to do this, especially since we're both in Charleston, but um, we're excited to see where Loop VOC continues to go. And we appreciate you taking some time to hop on the phone today. Awesome. Same to you. And I look forward to connecting with you guys soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.